You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon you all. And we start with the name of God Almighty, who is most gracious, ever merciful. Uh, and uh, good afternoon, peace upon you, and welcome to another episode of the Draft Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. Today with the three musketeers, Brother Danya, Brother Kiyum and myself Raza are here over the next two hours and we are going to be with you talking about two topics. In the first half of the program we're going to talk about political globalization and then in the second half we're asking the question, what are Ahmadis and are Ahmadis part of the Muslim religion, uh, part of Islam, are they Muslims or not? All of that is coming up in the second half of the program. But without further ado, I would like to welcome the one and only Brother Daniel and the one and only Brother Kiyum. Assalamu alaikum to you, gentlemen. Wa alaikum assalam. That sounded like a little bit like a, a boxing match. In the first round, you will have Mike Tyson versus Mike Fury. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is political globalization, so, so there's likely to be two, a, a two, two heavyweights here in the studio. <laughs> Listen, the only heavyweight here is you, brother. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm featherweight. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Jazakallah for joining Joining in today's age, we have to be mindful of our duties towards humanity more than ever before, as most of us can agree that any conflict between the nations can trigger at this moment in time, unfortunately, a nuclear disaster. Most of the time, we, the powerful nations or the G7 countries and the United States, they get carried away and not realize the kind of influence we are exerting over other nations. Most situations that turn into a war nowadays are because of the negligence of our duties that come with a huge responsibility of being a leader, or at least that's what we think ourselves, a leader of the rest of the world. What we have witnessed over time is that in the arrogance of power, most nations overlook others' rights and cause a chaotic situation and for, for other countries. And uh, that's why we would like to ask you to join us as we talk about political globalization, which is causing more problems than solutions. And of course, we're going to take a look at the Islamic teachings that encourage harmony and peace among all the nations. We're going to talk about justice. We're going to talk about what is going wrong and what the, what, what the Islamic religion or what Islam uh, proposes as a solution, something that we have been talking about here for since actually the start of the Voice of Islam radio. Um, if I may, uh, I remember Brother Daniel, we, we, we did a show here a few weeks or a couple of months ago when one of our guests talked about the whole world. And you kind of, and you kind of rightly questioned the whole notion of what it meant by the whole world. Mm. Do you think that applies here? That when we talk of political globalization, mm. the definition of globalization is different from country to country or from maybe Western Hemisphere to maybe the East? You see, it's uh, when we talk about political globalization or geopolitics, it's really the major powers. Yeah, it's really about uh, you know a few countries hmm. uh, that that uh, call the shots, that um, that define what's going to happen. That that really define the future of humanity at hmm. the moment. You know, that is so. That's what it's why come to. when Brother Raza says G seven. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's G7 or you might want to say G10 or, or whatever. G20, but you know, Exactly. Oh, there's G20 as well. But yeah, yeah essentially, it's this, you know, seven, ten countries. So you have, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, when, when we, yeah, that was, you reminded uh, me of that argument. But essentially, you know, it's the US hmm. um, uh, on the Western side. It's the US, Britain, Italy, France, Germany, which 
which really call the shots. Yeah. They are the major powers oh, within NATO. Oh, where is is absolutely Israel is a, is a major power. Israel is, Israel is not part of NATO. Mm. Um uh uh, but in terms of big military powers and and uh, exerting political muscle, mm. and then on the eastern side, you uh, you have these two emerging powers, which are uh, China, of course, and then then there's Russia. You know, you mentioned the word you mentioned China. China kind of stands alone, doesn't it? I mean, even even though I agree with you, Russia and China are are very relevant from the, from the eastern and maybe even India. Of course, India. You know, it would be unfair of on on India not to mention them as a global power, but China kind of stands alone, and and I think that's a very Western point of view. Is it? And I think again, it's that thing you know that uh, they have been made to isolate, and and the whole world is against China. That's that's not the case. I mean, if you well, go but in- I don't mean in a negative way. I actually think in a positive way, mm-hmm. from a, from a Chinese point of view, that um, they have kind of found, or, or they practice the left and the right collectively, mm. economically, politically, and they balance it. For because if you think about it, they talk about the communist China. They mm. still call it communist China. They are. Yet, you couldn't be more capitalistic in respect <laughs> of the way it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they they absolutely uh, they have found a good media. Yeah. So, uh, when you say isolation, you don't, you're not talking about political isolation. You're not talking about. Uh, well, the thing is, it, with with China, isn't part of their economics entwined with their politics quite successfully comparatively yeah. to maybe someone like UK yeah. where our economics and our politics are separate hmm. no matter how much we try to entwine them they're not hmm. our politics is about ideology whereas if you think about it Chinese ideology must be left as as, as possible but it's not it's in fact very different it is very different but it's it's working for for China it's working for the Chinese people and that is the important thing here yeah. you know i was looking at a video of a harvard professor hmm. where he says that you know he was um uh he 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 said uh, the the story he quoted was that he was looking outside his window and there was a bridge being constructed one year um and then the bridge was uh, under construction the next year and the next year and it took 5 years for that bridge to be made in hmm. boston whereas he compared that with and he showed a video of that uh, a bridge being constructed in beijing hmm. in in what amount of time Guess three days. <laughs> no, no, but, but so then, so it, and and then again, you know, COVID um, came. They built that hospital. Yes, in uh, in again three days. I think that's right. No, so, but uh, Shanghai Airport. I think uh, it was either Shanghai or Beijing. Um, they did it in eighteen months. They built a new airport yeah, yeah. in eighteen months. UK has been planning and building a third runway for thirty years. Exactly. <laughs> So I mean, that, you know, there there are absolutely huge advantages. Yeah. To you. you can you can criticize the system, you can say what you whatever you want, mm. but it works. It works for China. It's working for Chinese people. Millions of people, if not a billion people, have been lifted from poverty um, over the last twenty twenty five years. Uh, but you know, just to quote a, st- a statistic, back in nineteen eighty nine, ninety nine percent of Chinese people lived under the poverty line. Mm. And do you know what the figure is in, in 2022? It's the opposite now. Oh, wow. Less than 1%. Wow. wow. Less than 1% now live under the below the poverty line in China. I believe that. I mean, I've been... That's, a, I, I've that's been an economic there. miracle and, and, yeah. uh, in uh, for humanity in Ever since, um, you know, record books have been created. I, I found it to be an amazing country. I mean, I found the people to be, I mean, I've been there two, three times and, and 
and I, I find the country, it's an amazing country with the way they preserve their history. Um, and of course, yes, there are restrictions. And it's a 5,000-year-old culture. Yes. You know, that is something that is so and it's preserved. less talked about yes. in the West. Yeah. You know, we just talked talk about their communist culture. We just talk about, you know, how bad Chinese are. And, mm. and we, talk, we talk about, you know, what we they do. We never believe their statistics. With, with, with Huawei, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we just at the, moment, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, even though they haven't done anything ostensibly bad, mm. they haven't attacked any country. China is the number one enemy right now, official enemy of United Kingdom hmm. and many Western countries, <laughs> including including the US. They, they haven't done anything to us. I agree. I agree. But and and only because, uh, to be honest, absolutely because they are a rising power. And uh, whenever uh, there's a rising power, this uh, again, there's a study done by Harvard professor where uh, where he looks, where he has looked uh, over the last uh, five hundred years, and he's he's uh, he's created cases where he's seen that whenever there is a rising power and and an existing power, uh, I, I, I might be wrong with this stat, but um, uh, he's come up with a number. He, say, he probably says 15, 13 out of 16 times it has led to a war. Well, only three times has there been a situation where there has been a rising power. And this, this goes back to... Uh, uh, to uh, to the time of um, Athens war with um, uh, with uh, whatever the other Persia, uh, no 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 Athens versus um, uh, it'll come to me anyways. Well, so you know it's a uh, it, we are in a very very tricky period. You mentioned uni- university professors and uh, Jeffrey D Sachs, the university professor at Columbia University, the director of the Center for Sustainable Development at, at the university, and the president of the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network. He has done extensive work in this field, and uh, we're going to be quoting him throughout the show. He says, um, it's our human nature to fight, and we find it extremely hard to cooperate. But investment in peace and development is highly controversial. Talking about the global markets being more powerful than the government, Jeff Sachs says, the way China thinks about these issues is really quite different. Going back to this is what you were <coughs> saying, Brother Daniel. Um, Sub-Saharan Africa is a whole different set of challenges and a long legacy of colonial era, which left so much of the continent without even the basics of an infrastructure and education. In the interconnected world, we need a tremendous amount of global cooperation in order to be able to ensure that every region of this planet finds its place, its role and its path to a decent life. I mean, that's very... Is that ideological, altruistic? I mean, to, to, to you know, global cooperation that every region of this planet finds its place, uh, you know, that's, that's, is that going to happen? Or isn't that the, ult- or is that the goal? Is that the aim? Brother that, that is the aim, but it's wishful thinking at the moment, isn't it? It isn't it? Yeah, yeah because, uh, look, it's it's like... You have different individuals. So mm. let's t- take these countries as individuals. Everybody has an interest in something. Yeah. Right? There's, there's some certain things where we've seen over the last couple of, you know, two, one or two decades where the world might have come together. But then again, you see they, they really haven't. I'm thinking about globalization, uh, uh, global warming on that issue. Um, was it Rishi Sunak is not going to COP27, is he? 
No, no, he's decided not to because he says England are the 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 the, the leaders. They don't <laughs> need to go. Yeah. So I mean, that's something where when when we had I think the COP twenty one or COP twenty two, where it was a historic landmark. Everybody came together. They d- came up with decisions, and it was just everybody was talking about how how amazing it was. But then that's maybe one out of the thirty. Five eighty forty issues that is plaguing the world. Nobody comes together on that. True. You know that certain countries, which are neighboring your own country, are in a huge problem. Um, I'm th- thinking about Yemen. You think about Syria, Afghanistan. But is everybody coming together? No, everybody's not coming together. So this, in my eyes, unfortunately, it is wishful thinking that you have a world where everybody works together for the betterment of everyone. Let me bring in um, Professor uh, of History and International Affairs from the Party School of Global Studies, Boston University, mm-hmm. Mr. Igor Lukes, um, who is on the line with us now. Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Professor Lukes. Thank you. Thank uh, you for inviting me. A pleasure, uh, uh, Professor Lukes. Uh, Professor, do you think the big powers are using Ukraine as a uh, as a backyard of uh, their own geopolitical ambitions? Well, I I think all countries, big and small, mostly pursue self interest, mm-hmm. and this naturally applies to Ukraine. But I think it would be cynical to say that the West, in helping to defeat Putin's aggression, uses the crisis only to its own profit. NATO supports Ukraine because it's the right thing to do, because it helps the victim of Putin's aggression, but also because of self-interest. If the Russians are not defeated in Ukraine, the West will face more imminent, more direct threats from the same source and closer to home. Can I then ask, um, uh, let me agree with you on that one. What is, um, what has China done? China hasn't uh, attacked anybody yet, anyways. China hasn't aggressed upon anybody. Why is China Mr. Biden's number one enemy and across the Atlantic, UK's number one enemy. I really don't understand that. (laughs) Perhaps I am here uh, um, on your side. Um, I find that China is strictly involved in pursuit of self-interest. It it seeks to um, maintain its sovereignty. It seeks to increase its prosperity for its uh, well over a billion strong population. Isn't that um, what everybody else is doing, Professor? Is it America first? We heard from Trump, uh, you know, India, India first, Brazil, Brazil first, you know, wherever you go, it's it's all about nationalism. Sure. Sure. So so then why is is, is the China the new demon? Even though it's uh, it hasn't really done anything to to prove its uh, demonic credentials. <laughs> yes, well, it isn't a demon in my eyes, mm. um, in part because I'm not Chinese, and I imagine if I lived in China, I would probably take a dim view of the present Chinese leadership, the censorship, the 
the thought police and and that sort of thing, one-party rule, I would be extremely uncomfortable with that. But as an American, I don't find that China threatens me. In fact, Mm. I just go to stores and buy cheap T-shirts that are cheap primarily because they were manufactured in China. Professor Lukes, do you not think, I mean, I agree with what you're saying and what Brother Daniel is saying, but do you not think that uh, the second China does something with Taiwan, that narrative will change? Oh, dramatically so, yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, to me, I look at this war and I think at the moment, the only winner kind of is China at the moment. They're sitting back quietly. Um, And... uh, it's like it seems to me that the West and Russia collectively are are kind of giving are so busy at the moment. And my fear, especially with with the recent uh, couple of days ago when President Xi and 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 the Biden office are now looking to meet up because China wants to discuss with America, I, I fear that China's at the moment in a best position to do something with Taiwan because of what void and the vacuum that has been created by the West, especially NATO and uh, the, the, the Russian war. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, um, it seems perfectly reasonable, logical, rational, what you're saying. Uh, on the other hand, uh, China could have, uh, commit, could have committed uh, an act of aggression against Taiwan decades and decades ago, and mm. so far it hasn't done it. Of course, the past is never a very accurate guide for the future. But if we go by what we've seen so far, uh, hopefully China will uh, stick to its rhetoric and uh, will not uh, start an unnecessary war. I think that uh, the present war in Ukraine is in many ways a gift to uh, the Chinese because Most definitely. because Putin thought, I thought that Putin believed that the Chinese would be uh, working closely with him, and they have remained aloof. They, they take his uh, very discounted oil, and thank you very much, yep. but they don't even support him in the Security Council. They merely abstain. But, but is an abstention a, 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 a sign of support, Professor? Is an abstention well, deemed and can be kind of translated as that support? But China, of course, don't want to take sides. So, you know, they're sure. keeping that neutral well, narrative. Well, they're not going to side. Yeah, they don't want to be perceived as uh, puppets of, of American exactly. imperialism. You know, I completely get that. But um, I'm sure Putin was hoping for something more than just abstention. He was hoping for a united front Mm. of these authoritarian regimes against America, against Western neo-colonialism. And you can put in your own terminology, you know, that is typically uh, associated with Moscow and Beijing. Professor... um we live in, I think we can, we can safely agree, very troubled um, times and very troubling times. There is uh, millions and billions of people uh, live under the, pop- under the poverty line around the world. There, um, we have a climate crisis, uh, which, is, uh, which presents a very clear and present danger to, uh, to all of us. Um, 
I was talking to uh, the spokesperson for UNICEF uh, the other day, and she mentioned that if only UNICEF um, could get um, uh, $40 billion, they could they could change the future of the children of of this world, um, the poor children around the world. Compare that to defense budget of over $700 billion annual spend by the USA. The defense budget for, in comparison, for Russia is about uh, $150 billion, if you include the war budget as well. And for China, it's $200 billion. How do you justify that? $700 billion being spent year on year. For What's the aim if it's not uh, just to um, uh, just to uh, uh, just to show its might. Well, I don't justify it. That's my simple answer. <laughs> it you. is not justifiable. <laughs> it is ethically, morally, um, um, simply not. It's it's impossible to justify that sort of thing. The sight of one starving child um, in Africa. Or even in America, for that matter. Correct. That alone cries in the face, uh, cries of cries of protest uh, against seven hundred billion, as you say, of the of the American military budget, uh, which of course does not mean that this country should surrender the field to totalitarians and authoritarian regimes like those uh, of Mr. Putin and many others. Professor Lukes, I, I want to ask you about, so when we talk about uh, Russia, when we talk about Putin, do you think that we here in the West, we may have misunderstood the Russian position or do you think that we are being told what our position should be as as the population? Well, I don't even know what uh, the Russian position is. Mm. Uh, and I suspect that there are many different Russian positions, plural. But in any case, if somebody comes to your country and starts killing civilians, starts killing children, do you ask him deep questions about his abusive father Mm. or some other deep roots of his anger? No, you you fight the the intruder, you fight the 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 aggressor in order to stop the killings. Then when the aggressor is defeated, you can have a peace conference, you can listen to your former enemy's complaints, if any, and then solve or attempt to solve his so called position. Um Professor, yesterday in yesterday's press conference um, Putin tried to kind of lay the blame on NATO that he was kind of, and especially Liz Truss, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, that he was kind of cornered into a position. Or that's the narrative he's looking to pursue, that he wasn't talking about nuclear weapons. It was something that um, that he was kind of cornered um, and he was pushed into, um, into the situation they're in. I mean, what's your take on... on um, and, and the reason I ask that is, um, how far do you think NATO or the West will go, um, you know, within this crisis? I mean, God forbid, uh, 
if if both sides push slowly, slowly enough that it could trigger the worst possible scenario, could it not? Um, well, um, of course, I don't know the future, mm-hmm. uh, but I would like to think that um, Western support, uh, to answer your question, that Western support for Ukraine will last as long as it takes to defeat the Russian aggression. Putin obviously hopes that the coming elections in, in the United States, um, which are really imminent, mm. will change the leadership over Congress and he probably hopes that the Republicans will stick to their America first slogan and will stop the support uh, for Ukraine, the flow of weapons and so on. I doubt that it will happen. I think the rhetoric may change, but I think the outcome will be about the same. As far as the threat of nuclear weapons is concerned, this is the one thing that I truly trust Putin on when he tells us that, uh, in fact, he said so yesterday in the speech that you quoted, he said, we have no need to do this. There is no sense for us, neither political nor military, to to resort to nuclear weapons. I believe him, because remember, he claims that Ukraine doesn't exist. It's actually Russia. He claims the Ukrainians don't exist as a nation. They're actually Russians, Russians who yeah. somehow got 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 confused in in their in their heads, and now to drop a military uh, th- this this um, super destructive device on Kiev, for instance, which he claims is the cradle of Russian civilization and culture, it just would be so insane that I just really can't conceive of it. Well, Ukraine is is a spiritual place for him, isn't it? I mean, I, I've read some of his old articles, and uh, he, the importance of Ukraine to him is more than just political. And if I can just add uh, to that uh, to that statement or question from Brother Kium, uh, do you think the West has understood the sensitivity around Ukraine's m- proposed membership of NATO enough? Hmm. Good question, yeah. Well, um <laughs> Yes, that is the uh, question that Putin loves to um, pose himself, um, because uh, many people will obviously agree that um, when uh, George W. Bush started proposing Ukraine's membership, and in fact Georgia's membership in NATO, that it was premature, which all the other NATO members immediately told the Americans and and indicated that it was a non-starter. So um, I think this is really a made-up issue because uh, nobody ever took uh, the the prospect of Ukraine's membership in NATO seriously. It was just a silly idea proposed by um, an intellectually weak American president. Why wouldn't we take it in, off the table, Professor? Just in, in the name of peace. Why in the name of peace well, in a lifetime? Yes, well, yes, there is um, one legal problem to that, and that is that Article 10 of NATO Treaty says that um, the, any anyone can join or can, can apply for membership in NATO, provided that they support certain values such as working for peace and democracy and international stability, etc., etc. 
so that to single out Ukraine as being somehow off the table, as you say, uh, when it comes to that, would be really a form of discrimination. Last question, uh, but, Professor. But, uh, but, yeah? but go ahead. between us, yeah. everybody knows that it's not going to happen because Ukraine doesn't even control its borders. Mm. And if you don't control your borders, you cannot be admitted into NATO. NATO yeah. So that all these fears of NATO somehow expanding into the cradle of Russia's civilization and culture, they're made up. It's not going to happen. Um, Professor, going back to the America-China uh, equation, uh, you may have heard of the Thucydides trap um, uh, theory uh, by Harvard Professor Graham Ellison. Do you think uh, America and China can escape this trap? Yes, I think if um, if rational people like you and me, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I was about to say, you don't know, Brother Daniel. <laughs> Come on, I sound reasonable, don't I? <laughs> so does Putin. <laughs> yes, yes go ahead, Professor. Well, uh, so if rational people are in charge, then yes. <laughs> if irrational people... Obviously, uh, are in charge. Then um, anything, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. Um, uh, Professor, talking about rational people, just final question. Um, you talked about uh, you know Putin waiting for the next elections. Um, what role will the future? Uh, what role will the future president um, hold um, um, in respect of policies um, which might bring peace? I mean, who do you think will be at the helm? Um, in in America, oh, um, I was actually talking about the elections that are coming now in in about a week's time, which will decide the, who will control Congress. The presidential elections are still two years in the future, and we don't even know who is going to run. Now, obviously, if if the Republicans are unable to come up with a better candidate than Trump. You see, that was my then, question. Um, That's kind of where I was going. That is, is he uh, is yeah. he a viable option with with everything that's going on? I think that um, Trump is um, a person who has uh, so many legal challenges uh, facing him right now uh, that if he stays from prison, he he can um, he can consider himself a lucky man. Wow. Um, I think that. Um, he the, there are so many so many uh, charges that uh, he will have to answer uh, so i i don't think that he has a chance on the other hand on the other hand the republicans may well be forced to come up with somebody whose values are very similar to those of donald trump but is considerably more intelligent and less self-destructive than trump which, of course, would be a greater threat to international stability. The Democrats are going to be in, a, you know, comparably or in a, in a, in a similar, similarly difficult situation because Biden is simply too old and it's going to be complicated to say, thank you, Mr. President, for this one term. But please don't try to run again, <laughs> because the party needs to come up with yeah. somebody who is younger, who is more energetic, intellectually more agile, 
and um, will present a better face to the Democratic Party. Maybe Hillary Clinton will make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. Yeah, it's you, possible, you know. You made it the is, professor it laugh. Is, you'd be surprised. It's, I you, think it is possible. You made the professor laugh. On yeah. that note, Professor Lukes, thank you very much for, for joining us today. I know these two are going to keep going uh, if we don't <laughs> let you go. But uh, thank you so much for, right. for joining us oh, today, University Professor of History and International Affairs, uh, Igor Lukes, joining us today. Thank you so much for your time. Peace be on you, sir. 0208 <clears throat> With that, we're going to go to our next guest right away who is a distinguished professor of Russian and Eastern European history at the University of Alberta in Canada. Professor David Marples is with us online. Professor Marples, good afternoon. Peace be upon you and welcome to the Draft Time Show. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Apologies for making you wait. Um, professor Marples, I want to ask you, the UK... Um, is the second largest military donor to Ukraine, and we have committed uh, around £2.3 billion in 2022. If you look at the US, who's the largest provider of military assistance to Ukraine, they have committed $17.5 billion US dollars since the start of the Biden administration alone. Um, are we using the right approach to, to deal with this Ukraine issue? It's a difficult question, and it's one that pertains to Canada as well. Sure. Um, how much is how much is too much, and how long can this kind of uh, enormous sums continue into the future? How long will it take to to win the war? I think it's um, justified in that um, you have a country that United States, in particular, guaranteed its borders by the Budapest Memorandum in. Um, 1994, when it gave up its nuclear weapons, as did the UK and as did uh, the Russian Federation. And ironically, of course, one of those powers uh, invaded Ukraine despite that agreement. Mm. So I think, um, you know, the US is sort of, and, and the UK are committed really to defend Ukraine's borders by that treaty, which has never been um, declared in, you know, uh, null and void or anything like that. It's still in place. Um, so, yeah, and then the question is how much can they afford and how much, how long can it continue in a, in a difficult economic climate, uh, particularly for the UK, uh, but even in the United States, that kind of sum is not insignificant. Hmm. Um, I was listening to uh, an interview of uh, Gregor Gysi, who is a German attorney, former president of the party of the European left and also a uh, member of parliament in, in, in Germany. And he mentioned the international law, which defines, you know, the legal responsibilities of states and their conduct with each other. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the, according to the United Nations, the, the, the domain of the international law encompasses, you know, different issues, for example, international concerns such as human rights, disarmament is one of them. But if we look at what is happening in the world right now, th that's, that's quite the opposite of what's happening. Do you think that the war in the Ukraine could have been avoided maybe through diplomacy? And if, well, that was if uh, in the past, but right now, are we are we emphasizing enough on the diplomacy aspect? Because right now, the way it seems, everybody is just supplying weapons. Yeah, I mean, I think there are two ways that people look at this war. Um, one is sort of the old, I would say, imperialist kind of design where 
the world is divided into great powers. The great powers have their areas of influence and each great power res will respect the other's area of influence. And, you know, to my mind, this is very 19th century, very 20th century. It doesn't really apply today because in 1991, um, we recognized after the, after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, 15 separate states. And the question is, are these sovereign states, do they have the right to independence? And I think it's fairly well established that they do. I mean, Ukraine is a state that tried, wanted independence after the First World War back in 1918, um, didn't get any recognition at the Treaty of Versailles for that. It did get recognition in 1991. It's a large European country, and it's been invaded by a neighbor. Um, and a neighbor really uh, without any clearly demarcated designs other than vague um, denazification, demilitarization. Ukraine is not militarized and it's not ruled by Nazis. These did not make any sense to many people. You can talk about the threat of NATO expansion, but NATO expansion ended in 2004 as far as Europe's concerned. And Putin never really said anything for 18 years about that until February 22, when he suddenly made it a, a sort of case for war, casus belli. So I, I do feel that this is, this is a war that is being started by Russia and that no diplomacy really could have avoided it. It's what Putin wanted. He wanted Ukraine, the Ukrainian state to be simply destroyed. And we could let that happen or we could we could save you keep ukraine afloat and i think it's an aspiring democratic country it's got a lot of problems no doubt about that uh, so have most of the post-soviet states uh, in since 1991 as well but I, I i do believe that ukraine is worth preserving um be that as it may professor um, mm -hmm. We are where we are, so there is a, whether we like it or not, there is a war happening at the moment which is being um, actively fought, uh, and there are two, two big camps and, and major powers um, uh, supporting each side. Where do we go from here? Do you think there is, uh, 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 with billions of, uh, of dollars of weapons being supplied by the West, um, do you see Russia backing down? Do you see the West backing down or do you see well, this, I think there, uh, uh, this prolonging I think there are other factors that could come into play um, your previous guest was talking about the administration in the US and its its ineptitude or decrepitude um, there could be an approach for example from the United States to countries like China in particular but also India I think would be a factor to come together rather than have this sitting on the fence or even pro-Russian stands. I think in China's case, there's no logic to this war from their perspective. It's not in their interest. They want to trade with both these states, and they've done so very successfully in the recent past. Why couldn't we bring on China? And if China and the United States came to some kind of agreement in ending this war, yeah. it would put considerable pressure on Vladimir Putin to pull his forces out of Ukraine. Because I think that is, the, that is the way forward. But yeah. we've, we've, we've made so China our number one enemy. Absolutely. And it's a big mistake, in my view. And I've been saying this for some time. Um, 
despite, you know, obviously the Chinese have some, uh, you know, fairly rigid regime with a leader who's now probably more powerful than, than any world leader. Mm. But at the same time, um, it is what it is what it is. And you have to deal with with China as it is at the moment. And I right. think there's still room for maneuver. Back in 1972, Nixon and Kissinger found room for maneuver exactly. and made an agreement at that time, which really put Russia in a fragile position or the Soviet Union mm. as it was then. But as long as Putin's got somewhere to sell his oil and gas and he's got somewhere an enormous mm. country of you know 1.4 billion backing him up, uh, he's fairly safe. It can continue for some time. But I think that's that's the way it will end, the way it has to end. It can't be through the United Nations because there's no way through there mm. with Russia's voice on the Security Council. Exactly. So uh, you think China will have to, will have to make friends with China and China will have to play a role in uh, in, in, in bringing this to an end? Well, it's, it's, of course, it's not incumbent on China to do one thing or another, but I think right. it's in China's interest. You know, China doesn't want to see a war continuing sure. in that part of the world. And, but it does take an approach. It would need an approach from the West before China will make any kind of deal. Exactly. But if we keep on uh, saying that China is our number one enemy, that we will, that, you know, 5G is their new way of... Uh, 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 of of capturing the world, then uh, then probably that uh, that narrative will will not go down very well with the Chinese regime, any regime for that matter. Um, yeah, there's no country in the world without spies, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. everyone's got them. Exactly. Now, Professor Marples, I mean, I I agree with a lot of things that you and and brother Daniel have been saying, but economically. You know, I know statistically people always come up with America is still number one, but you can, economically China does kind of control the world's merchandise. The materialism of the West is such a huge advantage to China. Um, and looking at and, – and I know you, you kind of – you just alluded to the fact that China doesn't really want the continuation of war in that region. But on the flip side – it kind of works for China, isn't it? Isn't China more strong today because it technically owns the desires of the Western population because everything comes from China? And also, the war in the region kind of gives it the perfect excuse not to use military against Taiwan, but to use its economic might against Taiwan, isn't China in the best place that it can possibly be to do what it wants to do? It's it's in a fairly strong position, but China needs Western trade. I mean, if that dried up, hmm. for whatever reason, um, China would be in a difficult situation. And China's got internal problems as well. I mean, we shouldn't forget about the Uyghurs and other regions of China that are really disaffected and have caused major problems. Um, and even the leadership of the Chinese party, I mean, they've had a leader in place now going for a, for a fourth term, uh, and he's already past the age at which leaders in China have traditionally retired. And we were talking earlier about Biden. Well, you know, she is not in that kind of position, but at the same time, it's a very senior-looking group in that Politburo. I mean, no, they escorted, <laughs> she escorted the eldest one out, <laughs> but nevertheless... Um, I, I think China's got to think about the future as well, and it's it's in its longer-term interest to have a peaceful Eurasia and a peaceful Europe, because 
trade is what China's all about. It's not about political control. And it doesn't really need to take over Taiwan, right? It's not, it's not a threat to China. So what then do you think is the point of, uh, 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 you know, all of these uh, documentaries and, and, and news about, you know, we talked about this Huawei 5G, then about this uh, expansion in the, in the South China, China and, and, Sea. And Pelosi going to, to, going to Taiwan. Yeah, is that going to help? Well, Pelosi going to Taiwan didn't help one. <laughs> that, that's obvious. So, I mean, um, what, why are we not being sensible? And, and is that going to come and bite us? Yeah, I mean, I think U.S. foreign policy has to be a little bit more subtle. At the moment, it's just like, you know, whacking away with a baseball bat yeah. and seeing the obvious things. But, you know... I'm no fan of Henry Kissinger, to be honest. But if you had someone like that, yeah. um, he's looking for he's looking for nuances, right? He's looking where the soft spots are. What could be approached here? What could be approached there? Um, you're not seeing that in the current administration. It's a little bit uh, black and white. The world is pictured in black and white terms. There are the democracies and there are the autocracies, and they shall never come together in any in any shape or form. And the United States has a lot of domestic problems. And I think the Trump presidency caused untold difficulties for American society, which is now thoroughly divided. And this is something any president has to deal with as well. And I think probably you know, the idea of putting out a strong foreign policy vis-a-vis Russia and China uh, is a sign of a president who's struggling domestically, right? He needs to show some strength. And that seems to me what, you know, what Biden has been doing. But I think there's, there is ample room for maneuver. And I think for my country as well, we're a medium power. We can do much more in the world. I mean, Canada is respected, but it's still not really playing a strong role in terms of international diplomacy. Do you think the way things are at the moment and, and the way the politicians are, especially Western politicians, are handling the situation um, exacerbating it rather than uh, trying to pacify it. Um, do you think there's more and more risk of both America and China falling into into this Thucydides trap, as Professor Graham Allison puts it? Yeah, there's is definitely a threat. I mean, you've got Russia talking almost daily now about using tactical nuclear weapons um, as a resort if the territory of Russia is threatened. You know, this is a dangerous situation, mm. particularly now he's claiming parts of Ukraine as Russian territory. And it would be easy. You know, it's it's really time, I think, for international diplomacy to have a rethink. Uh, maybe you have to rethink whether the UN is playing, playing a role that's viable in the world of today. Mm. Uh, if you've not got the UN, you know, what could possibly replace it? But certainly... You've got organizations like G7 and G20, which at the moment are just talking shops, mm-hmm. but they could actually be reaching some kind of decisions on, on, on these international crises. But on the, at the base of all this, and we've not mentioned him very much, but on the base of this is Vladimir Putin. Mm. I mean, almost singular, singular on his own, he's created uh, an international crisis at... Uh, all these years of his presidency has suddenly staked everything on one mad invasion, mm. which made no sense. From any rational perspective, it made no sense, because even if it had been successful, 
we've had guerrilla warfare against Russian occupation uh, for the foreseeable future. If, if I may, uh, Professor Marples, I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from, but hasn't didn't kind of NATO poke the bear a little bit? Didn't they kind of push him, knowing the mindset of Putin? Or did they kind of underestimate him? Which is why they left him alone after Georgia, after Crimea, and then suddenly, oh my God, it's on our kind of borders. We need to do something. I mean, uh, you know, um, Professor um, Luke's uh, earlier guest mentioned that, uh, you know, he talked about, you know, the, the, the membership of NATO. I mean... Wasn't this narrative of, well, Ukraine's going to join NATO, uh, they played it, they overplayed it. The West kind of, or NATO yeah. overplayed it, and which kind of um, annoyed Putin. I mean, there's got to be an element, a small percentage of NATO saying, well, hold on, maybe we overplayed this card. Yeah, I think that's a fair a fair comment. I mean, maybe you could say the war in Georgia in 2008 was a direct result exactly. of Georgia wanting to sign the membership action plan. But at the same time, Putin also is looking for weaknesses in the West. And for him, I think the signals were, first of all, the United States pulls its forces out of Syria. Yep. A year later, they pull their forces out of Afghanistan and Joe Biden you know, almost 80 years old as president of the United States. This seems to me that it would indicate in Moscow that the West is at its weakest point ever. But but that's this my point, that we kind of it, gave it to him on the plate. Exactly. Yeah, we did. Wonderful. And, um, yeah, um, I would say that's, that's a fair point. I could ask you loads more questions, Professor Marbles, but we are coming up <laughs> we, we are coming up to the end of the show. I just want to thank you for taking time out with uh, for the Drive Time Show. Uh, I wish you a fantastic uh, evening ahead. May peace be with you, sir. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. In the Holy Quran, it says, O ye who believe, be strict in observing justice and be witnesses for Allah, even though it to be against yourselves or against parents and kindred. Whether he be rich or poor, Allah is more regardful of them both than you are. Therefore, follow not low desires, so that may be able to act equitably. And if you conceal the truth or evade it, then remember that Allah Almighty is well aware of what you do. Chapter 4, verse 136. The current head of the Hamdi Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand. He said that the rhetoric of certain powerful world leaders has become increasingly nationalistic and belligerent as they have pledged to put the rights of their own citizens above all others. I do not dispute the fact that it is the responsibility of governments and leaders to look after their own people and to protect their interests. Certainly, as long as the leaders act with justice and do not infringe upon the rights of others, attempts to better the lives of their, of their citizens is a great virtue. However, policies that are based upon selfishness, greed, and readiness to forfeit the rights of others are wrong and a means of sowing discord and division in the world. And isn't that what we're seeing? Um, you know, His Holiness, Azad Mirza Masuram, the fifth caliphate of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand, has been talking about this since 2003. I mean, it's been going back, what, 19 years now? Yeah. And uh, I kind of want to... It's like he's been... He, he's He's met people, he's discussed world leaders, he's been to, you know, all the political uh, kind of institutions around the world, and he's kind of... 
looked at things and 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 analyzed them and analyzed them and told yeah. them say look you're walking exactly where we are today we are walking the path which will lead to where we are today mm. and he's been saying that for years on end and where we are today will lead to destruction unless we we change exactly. the course yes exactly um you know Quickly. it's it's it and isn't it time that uh, that people i mean that verse i read out from the holy quran it talks about justice talks about equitable behavior it talks about knowing self reflecting and be truthful to who you are and and that's what's missing isn't it isn't politics across the board especially within well actually across the board globally i mean we talked about the topic is global uh, is political globalization and shouldn't that be um you know yesterday's question time everybody i, I was listening and at the end uh, you know all the media commentators were talking about well people come into politics uh, to, for the betterment of the people well if people do come into politics for the betterment of the people why are we on the verge of the demolition of this world mm. <laughs> how is that betterment of the world so it seems to me that one of the the, the main ingredients of plea being equitable and f- and and to be fair um you have to be truthful and the truth is missing isn't it what do you what what's your what's your take on this gentleman yes uh i think uh i think we've come uh, at a crossroads um as uh, as a global community uh and and especially uh, and obviously big powers um have the major role to play in this and unless we change course quickly unless we we really reflect deeply on on the global situation which is a dangerous situation at the moment i we, think it will be it will be it will be uh, there is no other there is no euphemism that i can think of um uh, for the situation that we that we are in at the moment uh, russia is not going to back down uh, west is not backing down how long is that going to continue add to that the mess we've made with the relationship with china we've just created an enemy out of nothing hmm. and uh, and that's not going to help so um uh, you know we've got we've laid traps all around us so it's it's a moment of uh of deep reflection i think for for everybody to take stock of the situation and um um and and to see how we can actually avoid utter destruction which is which probably will is is i would go far so far as to say to quote um hazrat mirza masood ahmed may allah be his helper around the corner hmm. yep severe implications for the world for the wider world and directly affecting global peace and security yeah i mean that's been the 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 words repeated at every peace symposium address sermon his holiness has been given around the world Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. In the next half of the program, we are going to talk about if Ahmadis, meaning members of the Ahmadi Muslim community, if they are Muslims or not. On our opinion poll on Instagram, on Instagram story, Voice of Islam UK, we're asking the question: What are Ahmadis? Are we Muslims? Are they Muslims or are they not? You can have your vote there, and also if you have any questions in this regard, then please do give us a call. Send us a tweet. Give us a comment on Instagram, and we'll be back after the five o'clock news. Uh, you're listening to the Draft Time Show on the Voice of Islam. 
You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu i bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except allah he is one and has no partner and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his servant and messenger i entered this day the ahmadiyya jamaat in islam at the hand of masrur I have firm faith that Hazrat Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is khatam an-nabiyyin the seal of all the prophets I also believe that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad is the same Imam Mahdi Promised Messiah, whose advent was prophesied by Hazrat Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I promise that I will always try my best to abide by the ten conditions of birth. as prescribed by the promised messiah al-islam i will give precedence to my faith over all worldly objects i will always remain loyal to the institution of khilafat in ahmadiyya and will obey you as khalifatul masih in everything good that you may require of me inshallah astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli dhanbin wa atubu ilayh astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli dhanbin wa atubu ilayh Astaghfirullah Rabbi Astaghfirullah Rabbi Min kulli dhanbin Wa atubu ilayh I beg pardon I beg I beg pardon from Allah my Lord for all my sins and turn to him Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi 
اطرف تو بدم بھی فخر لی جنوبی بہ فرگیو Welcome back to the Draft Time Show. These were the words um, that you repeat. And this was His Holiness, as Mizah Masood Ahmed, the fifth successor to the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, on whom be peace, repeating and saying these words. And this is just a, you know, a part of the Pledge of Allegiance, the Pledge of Initiation into the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Bat Ceremony. And the words that we repeat when you become, um, or when you enter the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. For years we have heard Muslims enthusiastically declaring Ahmadis non-Muslims, using theological debates surrounding the finality of prophethood as proof of their claims. And there are three reasons provided for, for this claim, uh, which are that it is the consensus of the Muslim Ummah, meaning It is agreed by everyone in the Muslim community that there's categorically no prophet after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Secondly, that it was so declared in 1974 by a democratically elected government, which was the government of Pakistan. And thirdly, that personal declaration on a <laughs> tweet or Facebook post without any reason is provided. So the question then is, which of the three um, reasons that I've uh, just mentioned has the authority to actually declare anyone, in this case specifically Ahmadis, as non-Muslims? If the entire Muslim community, Muslim Ummah, or the parliament of a country, or an enthusiastic individual declares you a non-Muslim, or the worst of non-Muslims, is that... final is that binding is that sufficient now from all of us here i think you probably know the answer that it's 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 a resounding no to all of the uh, above and the declaration that a person is a muslim or non-muslim rests completely and entirely with first of all that person who is declaring that i am a muslim and then of course with god almighty with allah the exalted and i think that's very very categorically clear that we wanted to outright uh, mention here before we get into this topic a little bit more so who decides if ahmadis are muslim or who decides if anybody who claims to be a muslim if they are muslim or not well the the, the perfect word of god is the holy quran yeah and the perfect embodiment of the holy quran is the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him So, knowing, uh, so it's what's written in the Holy Quran, which is relevant, and which is practiced by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is what's relevant. Besides that, everything is rhetoric, it's, hmm. everything is if, buts, maybes, because anybody um, who uh, um does anything which contradicts the teachings of yeah. the holy prophet um, or any or, or shall I say any anybody who who 
who says or does things which contradicts the 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 words of the Holy Quran and the teachings of the Holy Prophet, hmm. peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, is to me this is this isn't a religious question. This is about reason and rationality. Hmm. This is about, um, in, in fact, this is about the fulfillment of the uh, of the. Uh, uh, um, this is about the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Holy Prophet. Is it? I think is a prophecy. Um, I'm sure you'll correct me that there will come a time when, when people will be will be running and and the mosques will be full hmm. of people, uh, yet they will be vo- they will be they will be devoid of faith. Guidance. Yeah. There will be no guidance, um, and uh, this is uh, you know, and and this is also um, kind of uh, fulfillment of the prophecy. There will prophecy where there will be seventy two sects, yet there will be one community. Seventy three. Seventy three sects. No, 73 70, groups. There will be 73 groups out of which one will be a community or a jamaat yeah. and 72 will be... Outbound. Uh, will be, yeah. Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, if one was to truly look at um, uh, the, the, the situation of the Muslim civilizations, the people um, of, or the nation of Muslims around the world, the global nation, hmm. um, that is to the, to, you know, it's perfect as to how the Holy Prophet said it would be the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And and of course, you know, the fact that whether Ahmadis are Muslims or non-Muslims, you cannot look at you cannot look at that on its own because it's directly connected hmm. to whether the Messiah has come or not. Because yeah. the reason why the the, the the global nation of Muslims um, have kind of misunderstood what the the Ahmadiyya Muslim community stands for, is because they haven't actually studied what they themselves believe in. Because mm. if they were to actually read and uh, and study what they themselves believe with rationality and reason, the day they do that, they will automatically understand where the the belief um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community comes from. They will stop. Uh, creating politics within religion, they will stop creating mischief. They will stop creating misinterpretations um, of uh, uh, of the Holy Quran to suit their their need of 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 uh, uh, their political agenda um, in in whichever country you look at. Um, and they will have to kind of um, look at the treatment that they give to um, Amdi Muslims around the world. Uh, because that treatment, that notion of of persecuting people because they're being blasphemous, or because they might be um, um, looking upon um, or changing the teachings of the of 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 the Holy Quran and the and the and the belief that the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings mm-hmm. of Allah be upon him, is a last law bearing prophet. It's actually the Amdi Muslims who believe in truly. Truly <laughs> believe in what that means yeah. of the last law-bearing prophet of the holy uh, of of uh, law-bearing prophet um, of of God Almighty. Yeah. Um, the the love, the passion uh, that they hold uh, for the holy prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is is not demonstrated in how loudly you talk yeah. on a, on a microphone. And and how many how many fatwas how many see? how many fatwas and or, or was it what's the English for fatwa is uh, the 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 edict it, no no uh, what's the 
you know, when these supposed scholars give a um, um, what's, what's the word, Daniel? Is it edict? Is it edict? Yeah. Okay, um, you know, it, it's it, it doesn't matter um, uh, how many edicts uh, yeah. you, you issue against people and and how many uh, decrees you make um, that, yeah. that you know so and so person is going to be killed in the name of God and whatnot. Um, it it's it's about how you practice. Yeah, it's the true. Um, it, 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 the, the the meaning of the word, following the meaning of the yeah. word Islam, the, submission. It's 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 interesting because just the other day, um, our our brothers in in Germany, they MTA Germany, the Muslim Television MTA, the German studios, they've come up with a, it's a very very interesting series. It's called uh, Imam Meets. So. Um, they go to politicians, they go to different uh, people, you know, famous people within the German society who had some sort of influence. And there was a person called uh, Reinhard Langhans. He was quite um, uh, you know, influential in the in the 1960s and 70s when um, Germany was going through these turbulent times. And while that imam was talking to him, uh, the discussion came to prayer. The discussion came to what the latter days will be like. And he mentioned that same uh, narration that you mentioned, the prophecy of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that you will have the Qur'an, but it will just be the, the words. that people It'll do. just be treated like a book. Exactly. Yeah. So you will only have, let's say, the, a book that nobody the, reads. the writing yeah. or the al- <laughs> yeah. alphabet, right? Yeah. 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 You will have um, beautiful mosques, but and and they will be filled with people, but devoid of guidance. guidance. And faith will be as far removed from 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 earth as is the Pleiades. And the whole discussion that they were having was about what what does that mean? That you still have people who pray. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Muslims do pray. Yeah, but it's just the shell. There's no content it's hollow it's hollow exactly yeah. so there's no subject matter because there's no one to tell people what actually you can get out of that i'm not saying that we don't have the teachings of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him. we don't have the quran we do have all of these things but according to the words of the holy prophet it people will not be able to benefit from that because they have been so far removed from 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 the actual source. In, in fact, they will question it and misinterpret it exactly to suit their need at that time. Yes, which so, is which has been proven, and that's exactly what is happening right now. So we're going to start off. Um, we have a few guests lined up as well, but uh, I want to play a clip uh, from uh, a a meeting of His Holiness, which he had uh, with the members of the auxiliary organizations here in the UK. The uh, uh, the Hudam, uh, the, the youth organization, and the Nasrat, you know, the, the, the young, ladies. young ladies. This was uh, on the 17th of September 2021. And the question was asked to him that why do non Ahmadis, why do uh, people say that Ahmadis, that they are disbelievers, meaning that they are not Muslims? And this is what His Holiness had to say about that. Why do non Ahmadi Muslims say that Ahmadis are disbelievers? Even though we believe in the Shahada, follow the Holy Quran and the teachings of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I think you better ask them. We are doing, we are following, we, we, we believe in the same Prophet, we believe in the same book, the Holy Quran. We say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and uh, all the teachings of Islam. We practice 
and we not only practice, we preach. And this is why thousands of, hundreds and thousands of non-Muslims are accepting Islam through Ahmadiyyat. You can show your example. You can set your example before them. You tell them what I believe and what I practice. Then, this is now your duty to preach and remove all their doubts. Okay? Okay. Huh? So now, you see, in, in Ghana, in Ghana, for instance, the early Ahmadis were from among Christians. Why did they accept Islam? Because they saw the beauties of Islam through Ahmadiyyat. So this is how you can preach that we are Muslims. The only difference is that you believe that the, the Messiah of the age who was destined to come according to the prophecy of the Holy Prophet has not yet come. But we believe that that has come in the person of Mirza Ghulam Ahmad And that is the only difference. And because of this you say that we are not Muslims. And the other thing is that we believe that the promised Messiah Al-Islam has the status of prophethood because the Holy Prophet declared him as prophet in one of his traditions, not only one time, four times, right? And they say that no other prophet can come after the Holy Prophet We We also believe that no other prophet can come after the Holy Prophet but the, the prophet with new Sharia, with new law. But a subordinate prophet can come and he was to come according to the prophecy of the Holy Prophet and even in the Holy Quran it is written in Surah Juma that the Prophet will come. So this is the difference. This is why they say we are not Muslims. They say, okay, you believe that the Holy Prophet is the Prophet, but you do not believe in the finality of the Holy Prophet. We say we believe that he is the last of the Prophets who brought Sharia. And the Holy Quran is the last book of Sharia. We believe that. We, we believe that there is no God apart from the one who sent the Holy Prophet and all the previous Prophets. And we believe that the Holy Prophet is his Prophet, final Prophet, the last of the Prophets. So, but the only difference is that we believe that the promised Messiah is the subordinate Prophet and we do not say it with our own interpretation. It was clearly, explicitly explained by the Holy Prophet ﷺ that the promised Messiah who is destined to come will be, will be having the status of Prophet. Okay? This is the difference. This is why they say we are not Muslims. So that in a nutshell was the reply that His Holiness gave when it came to the question, why do non-Ahmadis say to Ahmadis that they are disbelievers? And it's up to us to, to, to prove by our own conduct and to explain to others why we, by all means, do fall into the fold of Islam. Now, when we started off the show just right now, a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned that there are different uh, reasons that people bring for, uh, forward saying that uh, or pr- proving their claim or supporting their claim that Ahmadis do not belong in the Muslim uh, Ummah. First of all, 
it was the consensus. Everybody agrees that uh, we are not part of uh, Islam. Secondly, uh, there was a declaration by a democratically elected government in 1975 declaring Ahmadis as non-Muslims. And then, of course, personal people, uh, pers- people's personal opinions. But, as we said, that there is no way for us to accept any of those. Now, looking at the, the verdict of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I'll just give you one example. There was a census taken by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in Medina. And he gave the instruction saying that, uh, and this is narrated by Hazrat Huzaifa, may Allah be pleased with him. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that list the names of those people who say that they are Muslims or who have announced that they are Muslims. And Hazrat Huzaifa, one of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, says that, so we listed 1,000 and 500 men. And this is mentioned in one of the most authentic books of narrations in Sahih Bukhari. So no instruction is found along the lines of ask them first what they believe about the finality of the Holy Prophet, of of prophethood or about me, or check if they are circumcised or ask them what um, they believe about uh, the coming of the Messiah and so on and so on. Uh, has the government of any country declared uh, certain people to be more Muslim than others? Or none of this was ever applied in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He never asked. He never asked people, "Do you believe me to be the last and final, the last prophet?" Yes, we do believe. Of course, he's the uh, final law-bearing, last law-bearing prophet ever to be sent by God Almighty. But in his lifetime, did he ever ask people, did he ever demand from people to say and to declare when they entered into the fold of Islam, saying that I believe that there will never ever be a prophet after you? Well, I have yet to come across a narration of that sort. If you have, then by all means, do give us a call. 0208-687-7878. The criteria, but, was very simple. If they called themselves Muslims, then you write them down as Muslims. You count them as Muslims. Our first guest for today for this part of the program is a good friend of the show, Imam Nabil Mirza is joining us from Canada. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Imam Nabil. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Now, there's a few points that I want to get through with you here. Now, um, it all comes down, whenever you talk with uh, our Muslim brothers and sisters, you always hear certain um, expressions, certain words, certain phrases are being thrown around. One of the very famous concepts that... um, they 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 do want to talk about is the concept of khatam and nabiyin meaning the seal of the prophets we as ahmadis do we believe the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him to be khatam and nabiyin so yes you know of course this is the ultimate question that everyone uh, you know ask us ahmadi muslims and sadly you know it is a propaganda which is very easy to be done against them, against our community mm. Because even the, I think the layman Muslims who do not do not know anything about Islam, you just tell them, you know, the, they don't believe the the Prophet Sallallahu to be the Khatim and Nabijin, and you know, this is in the Holy Quran. You know, how can they do this? Hmm. So it's very easy to to con people and and mislead them. And uh, even even though when we talk about the 
the Council of Khatam al-Nabiyyin, which means the seal of the prophets. And uh, according to, you know, the uh, our Sunni or Shia Muslim brothers and sisters, they will say, you know, there, there cannot be any prophet of any sort that can come after the prophet of uh, Muhammad sallallahu But with the same breath, I think they will, they do believe, and maybe they try to hide it, that a prophet yeah. is to come, which is uh, the prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. Today, uh, the majority of the Muslims believe that uh, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, you know, is alive in the heavens and he's going to come back. So if he's going to come back, was the door closed or was it open, right? So, so they will say, no, you know, an old prophet can come, but a new cannot come. So it becomes a very, you know, childish discussion, because if there was a need of a prophet to come, then be it old or new, it doesn't matter, right? Hmm. So uh, what, whatever we, our community, we always, you know, uh, tell them to reflect uh, upon, upon, upon this, that, you know, we, we of course believe that... Uh, the, the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was the seed of the Prophet, was the best of the Prophets uh, of God. He was the best of creation, right? Uh, the founder of our community, you know, he has, said, he has written so much about the life and the blessed character of Muhammad وسلم. You know, he has said in, in so many of his couplets that, you know, I am nothing, but, uh, and I have devoted my life to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم. So we do believe in the uh, in the fact that Muhammad Sallallahu is Khatam and the Deen. And the, you know, the, 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 I, we have to remember one thing, that our belief and the belief of the, the other Muslims is in fact the same. Hmm. We also believe, you know, that Jesus Christ was to come. The only, I think, difference with us and, uh, and other people is the identification of the person, right? Um, the, the the majority of the orthodox Muslim will say, you know, we believe that the same Jesus who came 2,000 years ago, yeah. he is to come physically the same. But we say no, you know, the Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago, he is declared more than dead by the Holy Quran. And uh, the Holy Prophet never said that the same Jesus Christ was going to come. But he said that the, was, the one who was to come, he was uh, going to be from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was not going to come from outside uh, of Islam. For example, you know, there's a famous hadith in Bukhari and Muslim where Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Kaifa antum iza nazara Isa ibn Maryam fiikum wa imamukum minkum." That what will be what will be what will be your state when Jesus, son of Mary, will come? Uh, you know, uh, from among you, imamukum minkum, minkum al-Muslimin, from among the Muslimin. So if Jesus was to come, he was to come in the uh, in the Muslim Ummah. This is what we believe that, and we don't believe that the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, brought a new Quran, or he, he you know, he invented invented some invented some new ahadith. Hmm. You know, the we have the same Quran. We believe that the Quran is the perfect uh, book. He hasn't brought a new law. Uh, we believe in the writing uh, in the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the founder of our, of our community. He said that uh, whatever blessings that Allah Taala bestowed upon me were only because I have followed step by step um, uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And he said that if uh, it wasn't for uh, because of that, then I would have Allah Taala would have granted me nothing. Hmm. So 
so you know this is something I think the the listeners should should just remember that there is actually no difference. It's only a matter of identification. Now, when you mentioned um, the concept of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, uh, the rest of or the majority of the Muslims are waiting, if not everyone, for uh, Prophet Jesus to physically come back. Um, and we also have different narrations that also say that. But our our concept is slightly different from that, if not completely different. And why do we not believe this? I'm sorry, uh, can you repeat your question? So I said that you mentioned in, in when I asked you the first question and you mentioned in, in, in the course of that, uh, the answer that the majority of the Muslims are waiting for Prophet Jesus, based upon him to physically return, physically come back. And we also have different narrations that also state that. But we, on the other hand, we, we do not believe that this is going to be yeah. uh, in, in that yeah. way, form or shape. Why, why do yeah. we not believe that? Well, I think the, the easiest and the very easy answer is because God says so. You know, mm. uh, in the Holy Quran, uh, there are so many verses that actually say that Jesus Christ, who was sent to the Bani Israel, to the Israelites, passed away. You know, it's not something that, that we are saying because uh, it's written out of the Holy Quran. This is basically the Holy Quran. For example, uh, you know, the famous uh, verse of the Holy Quran, uh, especially when it is also, you know, some, some people might say, you know, we are inventing maybe our interpretation. But for example, uh, in Bukhari, which is the, you know, very authentic book of Hadith, when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, passed away, we have the famous incident where Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu was very, you know, he was not, uh, he, would, he, he, he did not want to, you know, say, he, he was very angry in the fact that he, he, he didn't want to believe that Muhammad sallam passed away. Hmm. So he had his, his sword in his hand and, and Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he was not there, he came and he said that those who believe in Muhammad then remember that Muhammad passed away, but the one who believe in God, then God is everlasting. And then he quoted the verse of the Holy Quran. And the verse was, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَدْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرَّسُولٌ That Muhammad is only a messenger of Allah, and all the prophets of God before him passed away. Now, let's say, in the hadith it says that Hadith Umar radiallahu anhu, you know, he dropped his sword, he understood that, you know, Muhammad passed away. Now, with the situation back in Mecca, if there was even one companion who uh, had in mind that, you know, Jesus Christ is upon him alive, in the heavens, then they would have said, oh, oh, what are you saying? You know, you, Jesus is alive. Hmm. Then how can Muhammad pass away? So this is also, and there are countless, you know, verse of the Holy Quran which speaks about the fact. Now, I think one thing that we can maybe add, some might, you know, ask a question is that why uh, we needed a prophet of God to tell us that Jesus passed away. You know, this is also a question that someone can ask. Hmm. 14th centuries passed away, passed, and Allah sent a prophet of God, and the promised Messiah came, and he said that he, he actually passed away. Now, the, the, I think the, we can understand this with, uh, you know, when someone is ill, uh, for example, let's say you have, you're not feeling well, you have, you're coughing a lot, the doctor, you might just take some paracetamol in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it's not, uh, you, it's not, you know, you're still ill, and after a few days, you go to the doctor, the doctor might give you, an antibiotic now, mm-hmm. and it might take you a week to, to heal, right? But then the same thing is going to happen is and now you need uh, antibiotic doesn't work. He might give you another one. Then maybe uh, after a few weeks, he's going to say, okay, let's, we're going to scan you. 
make some scans and see what's what's happening and maybe the end result is that they say you know we're going to operate you but even in that moment maybe the doctor say you know now only allah can save you hmm. so the concept of jesus christ you know the, the 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 fact is it was never the the view and the opinions of sahaba that jesus was alive there are many hadith which says that jesus passed away at the age of 220 but after some time you know this belief was there okay so but allah taala was sending uh, you know uh, reformers mujaddidin who at, at the start of every century were you know trying to resolve problems uh, um, in their time but after you can say after 14 centuries when allah taala saw that you know now this is creating problem because christianity is now um, propagating so much you know, in india we know that how many uh, scholars became uh, um, uh, the muslim scholars became christians just because of the fact that they were saying you know your jesus is alive and muhammad sallam passed away and the muslim had no reply so allah taala had to send uh, out of his mercy um, he sent the, the uh, you know uh, the, his reformer or his prophet of god the prophet muhammad sallam to make it clear and allah taala showed him by more than 30 verses in the holy quran to actually uh, make it clear that uh, uh, jesus christ peace be upon him you know passed away and he was only a prophet who was sent to the bani israel and now the person who was to be sent uh, in the ummah of muhammad sallam was going to be someone else um, who would only get his name because Uh, he will be going through uh, with many similar events in his life than the prophet and Jesus Christ peace be upon him so correct me if i'm wrong but if what you're saying is that when so jesus that jesus that we 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 know of we read of that jesus is not going to come back but yes. as promised by the holy quran as promised by the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him and read the narrations th- somebody is to come and so would that anticipated return of jesus and if you couple it with the the, the return of the imam mahdi the the messiah are they going to be one in and the same and if that is the case how how can this be when we find these narrations that Jesus is going to come back he's going to break the cross kill the swine uh, and 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 fight the antichrist etc etc how how do we explain that then because i know yes. that a lot of young uh, muslim um, friends they 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 have this in in the back of their minds if not you know this is something that they yes. really really are interested in and know is going to break the cross kill the swine it's going to big hoo ha warfare and god knows what yeah yeah you know uh, you know we this this is actually a very interesting question because uh, you know many a times you know we tend to take this question very literal right and i remember i was i was talking to one of my friend who was not uh, ahmadi and i was telling him uh, that you know we are waiting for a a messiah who is going to kill the swine who's going to fight the dajjal and uh, the dajjal the, the, the dajjal will you know will uh, will be so huge and there will be a big fight but then we, uh, he started laughing himself that you know it's true that if we take this literally then it's basically we are just waiting for a fight you know like those games street fighter and you have <laughs> Messiah on one side, the Dajjal on the other side. In the right corner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, 
we have to remember what are the meanings of these. For example, you know, when we say that Imam Mahdi, um, uh, usually people believe that Imam Mahdi uh, will be a different person and Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, will be a different uh, person. The reality is we have to remember that Bukhari and Muslim, which are the two most authentic books uh, in, in, of Ahadith, they do not mention Imam Mahdi clearly. Other books of Ahadith do mention. Why? Because these two knew that there are too many contradictions regarding the concept of Imam Mahdi. For example, you will see that Imam Mahdi will be from this lineage. Some people will say, no, he will be from this lineage. And what happened was, after the Khulafai Rashidin, the Muslim became divided. And all the, uh, uh, the, 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 the caliphate who came, you know, uh, the rulers, not, I'm not talking about spiritual caliphate, but more political caliphate, that came, they all wanted to be labeled as the Imam Mahdi because they knew that if they are really the Imam Mahdi, then all the Muslim Ummah will follow them. So there has been many ahadith which were concocted at that time. And this is why we speak about a, you know, a bloody Messiah, a bloody hmm. Imam Mahdi who will come and kill people because this is what they wanted. And hmm. you have those concepts of, you know, Imam Mahdi coming and he will slaughter everyone and he will kill all the disbelievers. and. And uh, and then the Muslim Islam will win, and this is a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is not going to 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 do service to Islam, but it's going in actual in actuality, everyone will say, you know, that what we say about Islam is true, and that jihad and violence and everything, but it is it is going to be a Mahmadi which will be contrary contrary to the teaching of the Holy Quran, and contrary to the teaching of the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And on top of that, if you have a Messiah who is going about killing swines and, and breaking the crosses, so what we believe, we believe that uh, the Imam Mahdi and, and, and the Jesus who was supposed to come, they were, they were going to be one person. But only the responsibilities will be different. For example, you can be the son of your, um, of your father, you can be a father, but these two are, you are the same, same person. But your, but your responsibilities are different as a son and as a father, yeah. right? In the same manner, uh, you know, as the, the hadith that I quoted of Bukhari, it, it is also clear that Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim knew that Jesus Christ was going to be, when he, was, he will be Imam Kuminkum, he will be the Imam from among you. So even though they did not directly speak about the concept of Imam Mahdi, but they did use the word Imam for Jesus Christ to be upon him. And they used Minkum, meaning that he was to come, from the Muslim Ummah. So from, and then there are also a hadith, for example, from Ibn Majah, which says that, Mahdi illa Isa, that Mahdi is none other than Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Then the concept of, for example, the concept of you know, killing the swine and, and etc., this is basically uh, telling us that Imam Mahdi, or uh, the, the, the promised one, will come at a time, at a time where Christianity will be on the rise. Hmm. And he will come with such arguments which is going to break the cross with argumentation. For example, and, and, and you know, the, what, uh, what did the promised Messiah he said? He openly challenged all the Christians. He said, he said that as a Muslim, we don't believe Jesus is alive to, since 2000 years. We believe that he was just a human being. He was not God. And he proved from the Bible that in actuality, Jesus never died on the cross. Now, just imagine if you are able to prove to the Christians that Jesus survived the crucifixion, hmm. that Christianity is gone. It's finished. Right? The whole concept of Christianity right now is based on the fact 
that Jesus, uh, the Son of God, passed away for our sins. But if you if you are proving to them the know that he had to fulfill his mission and he survived the crucifixion, but let's say if he, if he had the belief of the Sunni Muslim right now that Jesus is alive since 2000 years, then of course what what, what was going to happen? That the Christian would would have said, you know, you yourself believe that he is alive, he never died, yeah. and we are basically giving them divinity. So the promised Messiah Islam and the Hadith basically pointed to the fact that in the time when the promised reformer will be sent was a time where Christianity will be on the rise and he will present such argument, arguments to them that, that that's going to refute their argumentation. Of, of that time, the, the ideologies and yes. the teachings of Christ, Christianity of that time. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, Imam Nabi Mirza, lastly, I want to ask you one uh, last question, which I have heard and... Um, I mean, it's 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 said uh, about the community by Muslims, non-Muslims alike. You have compared to the population of of Muslims around the world, which is what is it two two billion or something around that. Um, we are a very very small minority. So you have, as Brother McGee mentioned, on uh, you have seventy-two groups or sects on one side, and you have the Muslim community on one side. Now, what every one of them, all seventy-two combined, what they agree upon is that the one is not part of the equation. So, how can it be that you had so many scholars, you had so many saints, you had so many? Um, learned intellectual people who all got it wrong but here it is a small minority a small group a man who came in in the middle of nowhere in, in, in the Punjab in India who who thought and who claimed to be the one yes so you know the holy prophet Muhammad wasallam, he himself answered this question you know, the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said that there will be a time where Muslims will be divided into 72 sects, just as the Jews. And the Holy Prophet وسلم, said that all those 72 sects will go into hell except the one Jamaat. So it is not my own words. Hmm. These are the words of Muhammad. He said that the majority will be in fire except one which is going to be the Jamaat, right? Now, we have to ask ourselves right now, all the scenarios, you know, that you said, you know, that everyone has said that, you know, this community is, you know, is out of the pale of Islam. The Holy Prophet is saying that the majority will not be on the right path. But there will be one Jamaat, one community, who will be led by a leader, okay, that minority will be on the right path. So they need to ponder over this question themselves. That, you know, spirituality or the truthfulness is never based on majority or minority. Mm. You know, if you look at the Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came in a very, you know, in Mecca, in a very deserted area, you know, which was considered nothing by the empires of that time. They wouldn't even consider the Arabs something. But out of that no man's land came our, the, the Khatam al-Nimbiji, the seed of the Prophet of Islam. And in his own lifetime, 
Islam only propagated in, in Arabia. It never reached the corners of the earth, right? But it was a time of Khulafah. So, and today, but look at what Islam is. So look at the, uh, our, our community, you know, uh, we, we might, we are in minority. But under the guidance and leadership of Khalifat al-Masih, look at this minority, look at what this minority is doing. Hmm. You know, in, hmm. just in Canada, we have more than 50 mosques. Who, which other organization has this many mosques? And, and, and in 200 plus countries with the one, one leadership. One leadership, the Holy Quran translated into more than 75 languages. We have, you know, programs. We are not held by any government. You know, this is something very important. Mm-hmm. We don't have any government, no power. Every Muslim Ahmadi member pays out of his own pocket. He gives a certain percentage out of his, from his own salary, of his own income. And from those, you know, you can say minute or, you know, meager means, we are able to, to see what's happening. Look at, look at in Africa, how many hospitals, mm-hmm. how many orphanages, how many schools we have. Look at in Guatemala. So I think what we need to remember is if that minority is following Islam, mm-hmm. is following the true uh, path of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then there is no, we shouldn't ask ourselves, if the majority is jumping out of a cliff, you're not going to jump, right? <laughs> numbers numbers right? Don't, don't, don't matter, yeah. When it comes to this. Imam Nabi Mirza Jazakra, thank you so much. Uh, it was wonderful to talk to you. Very, very uh, detailed explanation to all the questions that uh, we asked you. So thank you very much for, for joining us today. And uh, assalamu alaikum to you. Now, children, I have a question. Uh, I have questions for you. Um, let's let's do a little bit of a questionnaire here. Um, you're, y'all, y'all both uh, are MDs, I believe. Um so, we we say we we are Muslims. Do you say the kalima? What is the kalima? La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Yes. What does that mean? And it's do you really mean Allah it? And Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his no, messenger. No, I'm sorry, but but look look, you don't mean that. <laughs> you don't, you don't mean that. Yeah. What you, you what you say and you what know? your heart says you know? are two different things. How do you know? Because because I do. <laughs> Because I, I am because, because I said so because I say so in my because, Facebook post because right. the, the 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 Pakistan Parliament said so yeah okay. yeah that's right. why Pakistan Parliament which is uh, full of um, dirty politicians nineteen seventy four so. in nineteen seventy four declared it they they said so right. so okay. that means so yeah that that's one answer mm-hmm. um, do you pray like we do as Muslims uh, no we don't actually no no so we how do you pray. How do we pray? Yeah, how do you pray? We <laughs> well, standing, floating. <laughs> we we actually don't get on top of uh, minarets and hurl abuse at each other. <laughs> we only get up on top of the minaret to call the prayer. That's it, and then we come down. <laughs> uh, we don't um, we don't disrespect anyone. We respect yeah. all faiths. No edicts. Um, no no edicts. Um, we only talk about humanity, and we talk about building bridges. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't uh, talk about death. We talk about Islam um, as uh, pen is might, mightier than the sword. Okay. Um, we don't believe in violence. We well, believe in the true essence of Islam, which absolutely. is submission. But, uh, but on a serious note, what you said about prayer, when you say we don't, I, I actually fully agree with that. Yeah, because we to don't. prayer 
to me, means a very spiritual experience. Yes. It is not just a ritual. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is exactly, the, the, that's, that, that's the teaching. And, and in fact, when we talk, spoke earlier about what the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, talked about mm. devoid of guidance, mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's exactly what Brother Daniel is referring yeah. to. So when you pray, you face you face uh, what uh, the, to Qadian, you face to to your uh, center in, in in Pakistan or oh the the, the supposed uh, what's it called the heaven the heaven <laughs> the heaven the heaven of the Ahmadis in, the in Pakistan heavenly graveyard yeah. no we we face uh, the holy Kaaba. Um, which was, you know, oh, so, so the foundations, same, same the foundations of whose were laid way. by Prophet Adam, who, who was the first prophet, not the first man on earth. Um, you know, there's a lot of teachings. You know, the one thing that a lot of people need to realize by the, you know, the teachings of the promised Messiah on whom be peace, who refer, who declared himself the servant of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's never, it's never said enough. Um, the solution to the world's challenge today of how religion and science are intertwined is actually um, given by the Amdi Muslim community, mm. where they don't separate science and religion. Mm. They are intertwined. Uh, and the original teachings of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, <coughs> of separating state from religion is also the true essence of the, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community based on the teachings of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Which, if you think about, is, uh, to me, the single biggest issue in the entire world of Islam at the moment, the single biggest source of confusion in politics yes. in the entire Islamic world. Without this, a doubt. This intertwining, mm. this mixing of state and religion. Which, without a doubt. Without a doubt. One is there for guidance and, yeah. and you know, um, you can look. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a leader of Medina. Yes, mm, not mm. because he was a prophet. Yeah, his leadership of Medina, his kingdom of Medina, wasn't because he was a prophet. Mm. It was because of his character. Yeah. Yeah. Was it because of who he was? And because people put him there. Yes, people who were Arabs, yeah. pagans, wanted him. Christians, to. Jews, people of all other faiths. Yeah. yeah, they wanted him there. His prophethood came was was a separate thing. Mm. And then people need to realize that, and and he um, and he demonstrated that. But when 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 he was um, act when he used to act as a judge um, in 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 cases in disputes, and he used to give the option to uh, someone who was not of the Muslim faith to to use their respective um, scriptures as a source of guidance yeah. to give justice. Absolutely. And and there's, that's your, what perfect example is that. So the point that we were trying to make here with uh, this uh, short question and answer session with uh, you know, with, 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 with <laughs> well, hold you know before you before you get into a serious we, point, we, we live in a we, world we couldn't have a show without the age. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this time it, you should be happy. We live in you. a day and age where if I choose to be an umbrella, I can be. And if you don't call me an umbrella, <laughs> so why can't I be a Muslim? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. So the point we're trying to make here is that a lot, one one point that is raised is that you can say whatever you want. It's just about you posing with the right words. But what your intention are, nobody knows. So I know your intention because mm. I'm... I don't know. I know the unseen. And that's why, mm. according to my eyes, you're not a Muslim. Going, I mean, you know, with the, I'm sure it was a companion yeah. 
of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Who, Osama bin Zayed. That's it. Who yes. you know um, he he killed yeah. um, a um, someone in in a battle, um, and just before um, he killed him, the 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 guy said he he recited um, the kalima. The kalima. Yeah. Um, and Hazrat uh, Osama bin Zayed did not uh, didn't believe. accept that. Yeah. He didn't accept it. Mm. Yet he gleefully went to the Holy Prophet, saying, "Oh, look, this is what I did," and the Holy mm. Prophet turned <laughs> his face. Mm-hmm. saying did you cut his heart open to mm-hmm. see whether he was accepting god um in 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 faithfully or not mm-hmm. and and that is within itself is your perfect example yeah. what that means is nobody can make a judgment mm-hmm. on what somebody else is saying no one yeah. not on the face of this earth not till the end of time yeah. until even after the end of time the only being who can make that judgment is god almighty Absolutely. So when all these people make these judgments about who's who, you're playing God. You're associating yourselves with God. You you Absolutely. you're saying that I know God forbid more than the Prophet did. Exactly. Yes. And, and and you know to that point, it's actually written in the Quran that, that even prophets were not given that right. No. Yes. They were not allowed to be a judge on the people. Their their only job was to spread the message. Balir. Yeah. Do convey the message that's and that, that's pretty so much how it. come any man any mortal any mere mortal can, can say that you you are this or you are that exactly alright now coming to the end of today's program one last clip that we want to play is that uh, would uh, the question was again asked to His Holiness uh, that if Ahmadis would be continue to be persecuted um, and would Ahmadis continue to be persecuted when Ahmadiyya uh, or the, you know, the community would spread even here in uh, the Western world? That is a short clip that we want to play. And then coming to the end of today's program, let's see what His Holiness had to say about that. One Khadim asked whether Ahmadi Muslims would continue to be persecuted when Ahmadiyya would, inshallah, spread in the Western world in future times. You see, when Ahmadiyya spreads here in the Western countries, or any of the rich countries from whom uh, Pakistani governments or the poor countries are getting help and aid, they will stop doing all those atrocities they are committing nowadays against Ahmadis. Right? You see, there was a persecution of Christians till the time the Roman uh, king accepted Christianity. And after his acceptance of Christianity, all the persecution and atrocities against Christians stopped. Right? So same way here also. Even now, they are dependent on these Western countries. And as long as they are dependent on these countries, they will have to follow what these countries are saying. So their God is not the one and omnipotent God. Though they claim that uh, they believe in one God. But in uh, reality, their God is these Western countries. They are following so they will have to follow. Okay? <laughs> All right, that was His Holiness answering the question about if persecution will continue here in the West if the con- uh, community spreads. Now, we are coming to the end of today's program. We would like to say thank you very much to all of our guests and thank you very much to you, of course, listening in to today's program. Finishing off with uh, this topic, at least, the second part of the program where we talked about if Ahmadis are Muslims or not. Uh, we... I think established, and that's the point that we wanted to make sure and you know get across that it is not in the authority of any human, of any 
um, um, person on this planet, at least, which included and which includes prophets of God Almighty to decide about the faith, about the belief, about the religion, or if that person does or does not belong to that religion uh, on this planet. Uh, it's the only being of God Almighty who has that authority, as it says in the Holy Quran, that when you have an argument with people who are professing or who are saying that, you know, this is right and this is wrong, then your job is just simply to say that for you, your religion for my, my religion. For me, my religion. And that is going to be decided by God Almighty in the end of, uh, uh, after this life. If you want to find out more about the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, by all means, go to our website, alislam.org. You can uh, get in contact with us as well here at The Voice of Islam. We will be more than happy to get you into contact with someone from your local community or from your local area. If you want to visit a mosque, by all means, do reach out. From all of us here, thank you very much for listening. And we would like to say thank you to Faisal Mirza, Sanadim and Nabahat Neira for researching and producing today's program. SML is going to be with you tomorrow morning at 10 and the Weekend World Team at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. The Drive Time Show will be back on Monday. From all of us, have a great evening. Assalamu alaikum.